Good morning, everyone. Um, as Stan said, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church, and uh, it's my privilege to lead the team. It's great to have a baptism meeting, and it's a real privilege to be able to uh, be sharing and, and speaking um, at this event. I've been very much looking forward to it, and I'm sure we're going to have a good time together. I'm going to speak for just about, probably about 30 minutes, um, and then as Santino said, we're going to be baptising uh, six people that we plan to baptise, which, which will be great. This week, I don't know if you can remember about 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening. Can any of you remember 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening? It suddenly started raining very, very heavily. Can any of you remember that? It's just like rainfall for about three months fell in about ten minutes. At that point, I was sheltering under a gazebo on our back field trying to light a barbecue. <laughs> you know, it's, it's struggling, you know, and it, and it was actually, what it was, was it was an event where we invited all the men from the church to gather together to really sort of rough it, you know, backfield, a long way from all civilization. You know, we've gone and hunted our own meat first and all that sort of stuff. No, we haven't really. But uh, the, the heavens opened and it started raining and uh, it certainly did rain for about 10 minutes. But actually we had an excellent time together, golf, volleyball, other things. It was a brilliant time and I understand as well the ladies gathered on Tuesday evening and had a great time at Mr Bean's in a much more cultured and refined setting with smoothies and amazing looking cakes that I wasn't allowed to eat when I saw them, which I was very disappointed about. But I think everyone had a really good time. I'm going to be talking about being perfect this morning. So as I start, I just want you to think, on a scale of 1 to 10, how perfect are you? So 0 is not very perfect at all, and 10 is you cannot beat, you can't beat yourself when it comes to perfection. I did think about, I did think about having some... Uh, Scoring cards, you know, where you could write the score down for yourself, or even better still, you could write it down for your neighbour. So put your hand up if you reckon you're... Anyone think they're a 10 out of 10? <laughs> oh, we've, we've got a few. What, what, about, what about an 8 out of 10? You'll think you're nines. Six out of ten? Do I need to start from the other end of the scale? Yeah? A two out of ten. Got, got a few, a few. Three out of ten? Four out of ten? No, our hands right up high. What about five out of ten? Put your hand up if you just have no idea where to put yourself. Yeah, that's... In a minute, some pictures are going to come up behind me of some people who are, who are definitely not perfect, but they're very successful in life. See if you recognise who the first one is. <laughs> he's, an, he's an excellent young man. Admittedly, he didn't have the best of the World Cups, did he? But... Would you say he's pretty successful? Doing pretty well for, for Man United? He's playing fairly well. Got, 
got things going for him. What about this young lady? Any of you recognise her? That's his, is it wife or partner? Wife. This is Wayne Rooney's wife, very pretty, isn't she? I don't know if she's showing her engagement ring there or something like that, but, uh, you know, you see there's a couple probably doing pretty well. Next slide. Now, that, I don't think that's their house, but I'm sure they've got one just like it. And the next slide. <laughs> that's Mari's car. I, I, don't, I don't think any of us, and I'm sure they wouldn't say that they were perfect, but but I think they're doing pretty well. I think they're doing pretty well. Let me read to you a story from the Bible about another person that was doing pretty well. And it's out of Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read from verse 16. If you haven't got your Bibles, if you don't worry, the words are going to come up on the screen behind. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect... Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Here we find a story, and it's described in the Bible, of a successful, rich young man. Maybe a bit of a Wayne Rooney of his day who approached Jesus, and he approached him with a lot of promise, but he went away sad. And I want to spend the next sort of 20 minutes looking at this um, conversation that they have and digging into what it means and what we can apply to ourselves here today. But before I do that, I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace and mercy that is available to us. Lord, I pray that you would assist me this morning to communicate well. I pray, Lord, that you would fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that your word this morning would be um, engaging. I pray it would be lively. I pray it would be interesting. And I pray, Lord God, that you would do your work this morning. Have your way, we pray. We look for you, Holy Spirit, to come and bring life to the things that are said today. Come and have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned, this young man, as he comes to Jesus, he's got a lot going for him. He's rich, he's young, if that's something that's going for him, I guess guess it is. He's looking into spiritual things. He comes to Jesus and he's asking 
he's asking questions. Actually, he's asking the right questions. He says, you know, what good thing can I do to get eternal life? He's asking some good questions there. I think he's living a good life. If you looked at that list of six things, we'll look at them again in a minute, but if you look at those six things, he said, well, I'm doing all of those. What, what is it I lack? And in um, Luke chapter 18, verse 18, which is a parallel passage, it says that he's a ruler. So he's probably a politician of his day. You know, he's, he's someone of influence in the nation. In some ways, there is nothing holding him back. Everything seems to be going well for him. He wants to get involved in religion as well. But, but we find in verse 20, I think, I think the young man really, really gets to the point when he says this. Although everything's going for, well for me, he says, but what do I still lack? It's, a, it's an important question. He, he came and he had so much going for him. I guess if he walked into this auditorium this morning, all of us would probably notice him. We may notice him as he drives into the car park with his flash motor. And he comes and he's got a very good-looking wife and they're well-dressed and there's, there's something about them. And yet, as he has this conversation with Jesus, he's aware that he's lacking something. Now, maybe not all of us here today would come with such confidence or come with a, with a feeling of so much is going well for me. But I want to ask a question. Is there something still lacking? Whether things are going well for you or not, do you get a sense? Could you join with that young man saying, what do I still lack? And the amazing thing I think, and I find it very provoking, is this young guy who seems to have so much going for him comes to Jesus asking the right questions but still goes away disappointed. He goes away sad. And we're going to look at this conversation um, under three, asked by asking really three questions. The first question is, who does this young man come to? And, uh, well, I've already answered that question. He comes to Jesus. Now, Jesus is amazing. Jesus had been around on the scene probably for about 18 months at this point. I'm guessing somewhere between a year, 18 months, two years. And he was turning society on his head. He was preaching a message and he was communicating a message about God. He was communicating a message about God, the God that, that, that the audience would have known about, but he had a new twist on it. He was bringing something to them that they did not realise. He was communicating about this God and he was saying, do you know this God that you worship, this God is a compassionate God. And I want to say to you today that the God we've been worshipping today, he is a compassionate God. He has time for people. He has time for all sorts of different people. He's not only compassionate, he's also a generous God. Have you ever met a generous person? I'm sure you have. You want to be around them? It's nice being around generous people. I want to say, the God that we worship, he is a generous God. He's not, he's not counting it out. He says, no, no, Tracy, you've had enough. You know, I'm not, there's no more of my goodness for you, Tracy. I've given you as much as you're having as much as you deserve. No, the God that we worship, he is a generous, abounding, superabounding God in all of his ways. Do you know the God that we come to is a forgiving God? It doesn't matter 
whether today you come and your score is 10 out of 10, like I think there were about three of you here. I would like to talk to you at the end, by the way. <laughs> or, or whether your score out of 10, if you'd, if you'd had the boldness to put your hand up, you'd say, honestly, today I think I'm a 1 or a 2 out of 10. I really, really don't rate myself very much. I want to say that there's a God in heaven and he is generous. He is compassionate. He is forgiving. You cannot exhaust his forgiveness. You cannot exhaust his compassion. Do you know as well he's loving? It's not, it's not like just a warm, squishy, squashy love. Have any of you ever felt that? Some of you have felt, you know what I mean by that. You have feelings of love which can pass very quickly when you get to know the person. Obviously not in the case of my dear wife. But, but God's love is an enduring, it is a decision of the will. He has set his affection on people and it, he will not, it will not turn aside. This is the God we come to, a God of great love. Do you know the God that we worship is an active God? He's not passive. Just sat there. I'll just wait and see what they do. But the God we come to, the God that we worship, he is active in his pursuit of you. Did you know that? You know, God in eternity past, he knew you and he has been actively pursuing you ever since. Do you know the God that we worship is a righteous God? That means that he is perfect. There is no spot, there is no blemish, there is no defect in him. He is holy, other than us. This is the God that we come to. This is the God that Jesus was proclaiming. This amazing God who you can have a relationship with. And he said it is a revolutionary message. This God, this creator God, do you know you can come to know him as your father? Intimacy wrapped up in it. But he wasn't, he's not just, he's not, Jesus didn't just come proclaiming a message. He also, he also came with power. He had power and authority in his teaching. Do you know he had power and authority over sickness? He healed people. People who had suffered for a long time with sickness and illness and disease and encounter with Jesus and they were healed. He had authority in his teaching. Have you ever met someone? like You're probably best to relate it to a school teacher. So some of you will have to think back quite a long way. Gary? But some school teachers, do you remember? You thought, some are just a walkover. But others, you think, are not messing with them. You know, you, you mess with them at your peril. They, they've got an authority. And it's, it's the same, Jesus had real authority. Not, not as a stern, distant sort of school teacher, but there was something within him. He had authority. And even when people came to confront him or argue with him, often they were sort of left sort of, um, oh, oh. You know, they, they had no answer for, for, for Jesus. Jesus had power. He had a message. But he also had an agenda. Jesus hadn't come to purely bring you teaching and to heal the sick. 
he'd come to usher in a whole new order of things. He'd come in to usher God's kingdom, his rule and his reign. The Bible says that Jesus wasn't merely a man, but he was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. As Mark Stibby said a few weeks ago when he came to be with us, he was God with skin on. He he, he came with an agenda. He had something that went beyond his teaching and and beyond his miracle working. It's, It's no surprise that this successful young man came to ask him about eternal life. It's no surprise he came to ask him deep questions. So what did these people, what did they talk about? And the question that this young man came to is this. He said, he said, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This young man had an expectation that he could probably add something to his life that would sort of guarantee him eternal life, like a golden ticket. Have any of you thought, God, I could do with losing a few pounds? Have any of, I'm not asking you to sort of uh, respond to that. And you sort of thought, right, I want to lose a few pounds. What do I need to add to my life to lose those few pounds? So it's not, it's not more cakes or more beef burgers and chips or anything like that. No. What sort of things do I need to add to my life to lose a few pounds? Well, maybe I need to start, maybe I need to book into Helenswood Gym, go there three times a week. Do you think that would be a good move? No. There's some people saying no, no. But if you wanted to lose a few pounds, would that be a good move? Personal trainer? No. no. I'm going to go over here. There's a lot of no's over there. A personal trainer could help you lose a few pounds? Yeah, see that you've got you've got to copy these. Eat healthily. Yeah. yeah, I can add a few things to my life, and I lose a few pounds. And I wonder if the young man came along thinking, you know, I'm a successful guy. I know what it is to make money. I know how, what it is to do well. I think, can I just add a few things into my life to guarantee that golden ticket, to guarantee eternal life? Jesus, what do I need to do? I'm doing pretty well already. You know, I haven't murdered anyone. You know, I've not committed adultery. I, 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 I don't steal. I've not given a false testimony. I've not lied about anything or got anyone in trouble with, with, with lying or anything like that. I've generally honoured my father and mother. I'm, I've, I've loved my neighbour as myself. Cool, that's quite high standards too, isn't it? But he says, actually, he says, all of these I've kept. And I think as he came to Jesus, he thought, maybe I can earn something. Maybe I can win something. Maybe I can add something to my life that makes me acceptable to God. But Jesus sort of is taking the conversation down a certain road because he wants to challenge this young man at a deeper level. He wants to take it a bit further. And this is what he says to him. He says, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What Jesus is saying is only a perfect life is acceptable to God. You see, if you put your hand up and you said 10 out of 10, 
And I think there's, a, those there's, I think there's about three of you. Uh, yeah, one's on the PA desk. Um, if you put your hand up and you said, yeah, 10 out of 10. I'm a 10 out of 10. Well, well maybe, maybe you stand a chance. Maybe you're perfect. The only problem is, it's not your scale of 10 out of 10 that works. It's actually God's scale of 10 out of 10. But for the rest of us, we're all aware, aren't we, that we fail to hit the target, that we can't do it on our own. In some ways, actually, we don't really, we're not worried about being perfect, we just like that ticket. We like eternal life. What can I add? That's easier because it's maybe something I can earn. It's something I can do. Something I can add to my life. But Jesus cuts right to the heart of it with this young man and he says, what you need to do, Mr Wayne Rooney, if that could come up, that'd be brilliant, what is the cost? What you need to do is you need to sell your house You notice I missed his wife out because he doesn't say about selling his wife. He says, sell your house, sell your car and then come follow me. And for this young man, it says he was rich. He, he had a lot to give up to follow Jesus. There was a cost to following him. In Romans 3, verse 23, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says none of us, none of us hit the mark. Some of you may be 8s and 9s out of 10. Others of you may be 2s or 3s. But it says none of us, none of us hit the mark. When jo- Jesus spoke of being perfect what we came to realise and what this young man came to realise was he was failing to hit the target. He was falling short of the target. A long, long time ago, I took my driving test. I drove out of the test centre and I turned right. I was very nervous. Were any of you nervous when you took your driving test? Turned right. Got to the junction of London Road. I turned left as he told me to do. We drove down and then he said, take the next left turn. So I slowed down, I indicated, I started turning into that that, that thing and there was a car coming up that because there was a car parked came, this is the way I'm telling it anyway because I don't want to lose too much credibility, in the middle of the road. So I turned in and I was a little panicky, I was a little bit flustered, I actually was very panicky, I was very flustered and just before I hit the car coming the other way, which isn't good is it, the third turn of your driving test the driving instructor stopped the car with the brake because it was dual control we looked at each other three minutes into the driving test and we both communicated very well, there was no way that he was going to pass me I had fallen short of the required standard and actually I drove the rest of the test perfectly. The three-point turn, the reverse round the corner, I I was without fault. Well, that's what I'm going to tell you. 
but I'd fail to hit the target. I'd fail to come up to the required standard. Didn't matter what I did after that. I'd failed to hit the standard. I wasn't perfect in that driving test. And for every single one of us, that's the position we're in with our lives. Nine out of ten, two out of ten, but we've failed to hit the standard. And you may say, well then, if there's no hope for this young man who had lived such a good life, you know, he'd lived a good life, isn't that? Well, there's no hope for me, is there? But at the end of this passage, it says this. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I mentioned earlier, didn't I, that Jesus came not only as a good teacher, not only as a worker of miracles, but he came with an agenda. And his agenda for coming was to be our perfection. It was to be perfect in our place. It was to hit the standard that we could not reach. He would take all the things that we, all of our failings, and all the things where we'd fail to hit the target, and he was going to give us his perfect, righteous life in our place. There was going to be a great exchange taking place on the cross, where he took our sin, and we took his perfect life. Later on in Romans, and we read Romans 3.23, where it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Later on it says this, God did it for us. Let, let this just settle in your hearts. These are brilliant words. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in a right standing with, him, with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. And that's the wonderful news of the gospel, is that we're not looking for something in here that is good enough to please God, but we're looking to accept a free gift from Jesus Christ. And it is, it's a gift. It's received through faith, through believing, on the back of repentance. And in a sense, repentance is saying, Lord, I cannot do it on my own. I'm aware, I've tried to do it on my own, I've lived my life this way, I cannot cut the mustard, I cannot make it count. But in Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness and there is freedom that you cannot get anywhere else. This young man couldn't do it on his own. But in Jesus Christ, we find what we can find nowhere else. Jesus came to achieve on our behalf what we can't do on our own. It's, let, let me read those words to you again, a pure gift. Not earned, it's not won, it's just received through faith and repentance. But you also find on the back of receiving this gift, you know, I just want to be straight with you, no small print. Because you know, in some ways you think, cool, if it's a gift, wow, this is brilliant. But it'll also cost you everything to follow Jesus. It doesn't cost you everything to receive him, but it does cost you everything to follow him. I've been Christian for about 25 years now. I know I don't look old enough. But I've found that my Christian life 
is a matter of daily decisions of following him. Because I know what he wants. Laying down the things that maybe sometimes I want to do, but I know actually God's got something else for me. It says in Psalm 139, it says that he goes before me and behind me. And sometimes I find my walk with God is often a matter of God pushing me on a little bit from behind and pulling me forward from the front. Paul, you're going to keep following me. Keep following me. Laying this down, following me. It's the best life ever. But there's a cost to it, as this young man found. And so although eternal life, this relationship with the God who made you, is a free gift, it will cost you everything as you follow him. And those who are being baptised today, in a sense they're being baptised, why? Well, maybe because they want to and they do, but actually because in the Bible it says, once you've put your trust in him, the next, right, next step is you're baptised in water. And it doesn't make you a Christian, but what you're doing is you are publicly saying, I'm with Jesus Christ. I'm with him now. I'm making a public statement of something that's already happened in my heart. And I know that many people have invited friends and relatives and neighbours to be here. And in some senses they're really, really pleased you're here, but also it comes at a bit of a cost because it's it's sort of like they're going to stand up in front of 300 people this morning. Some of them are going to say why they're being baptised. They're nervous about it. They're they're not saying... But actually it's, it's, it's about... It's about saying, actually, I'm following Jesus. It's costing me this. But it's the right thing to do. I found that when I was baptised. One of the hardest things I ever did, but I was so pleased I did it. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus wasn't interested in this man's money. He was interested in his heart. And although you can't earn salvation, it will completely change your life. As I finish this morning and we're going to have the band back up, actually if I can invite the band up now, that would be great. I want to finish by asking you the question I began with. What do you still lack? What is it that you still lack? Some of you here today and you've, You've come, you've got, pre, you've got it pretty much together. You could, you're, not, you're not Wayne Rooney or Col, Col, Colleen, 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 his wife. You're not quite a Wayne, a Wayne Rooney and a Colleen, but you've got it together. But as this young man still had a sense, I'm lacking something. Others of you may be coming and you're more broken. For actually, I know I'm lacking something. I really need help. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father except through him. Let's stand. And just as we stand, I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came and gave everything for us. Lord, I thank you you came and lived a perfect life. Lord, in my place, because I couldn't do it. Lord, you came that you might make a way open for me to have a relationship with the God who loves me, who's for me, who made me. 
And Lord, that today you, you just say, repent and believe. It's a free gift. Lord, I ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would continue to work in our hearts. Lord, come and have your way. I pray as uh, people are baptised later, I pray, Holy Spirit, for your presence and your power to be available. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about following this Jesus, I'm going to be over in the welcome area at the end of the meeting. Come find me or come talk to Santino. We'd be very happy to explain more about what it is to follow Jesus. Or if you're here today and you're sick or not very well and you'd like prayer, we count it as a privilege to pray for you as well, that God would heal you. We'll be over in the welcome area. We're now going to worship God and the children are now going to come back in. If you've got children in Wrigley's, if I could ask you to go and uh, collect them from Wrigley's, I think if uh, you've got children in Megamix, they will just run out and join you.